Welcome back to another week of the WFR Parable Podcast. My name's Simon. I lead the campus ministry here at WFR. Um, this is Harley. She works with me. Um, it just means we work with college students. Uh, our ministry name is Campus Movement. We're over at ULM and Tech. And we've got a great parable that we want to share with you guys and break down with y'all today. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read some text. We're jumping into these parables where you know, Jesus is talking about what it's like to live in God's kingdom. What it's like to be in God's kingdom and what God's kingdom is all about. Um, and so what I'm going to do is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount... In the book of Matthew, this is Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read some text, and Harley and I are just going to jump in and share our thoughts with y'all. And so, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is the parable of salt and light. It says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Yeah, and I think a really good way to start any scripture reading or any study um, is to first talk about, you know, who who is it talking to? Who's the audience? Who's Jesus talking to in this instance? And what is the setting around that? Yeah, yeah. And that's key to any Bible study. It's figuring out the context and where you're at in scripture. There's so many stories in scripture. And so here in Matthew, this is the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably... It's Jesus' magnum opus, in a sense, of speaking. It's probably the most famous uh, sermon series that Jesus ever did. And so if you look back, just a just real quick look back, um, in verse 3 of chapter 5, he starts the Beatitudes. In verse 1, it says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to them and began to teach them. And so the setting is literally Jesus on a hill teaching people. Um, and what he's doing with all of these messages in the Sermon of the Mount is he's explaining to his people what God's kingdom is like. Um, they would have expected a king. That, that you know These are uh, culturally Jewish people who would have known the Old Testament. And Jesus is often in the Sermon on the Mount reframing teachings and truths ancient truths from the Old Testament to further explain its kingdom. And that's where we see salt and light. Uh, so Harley, I've got a question for you. Um, what, what really, let's break it down. What are the two components we're looking at here? This is a short, just a few verses, but what are the components that Jesus is trying to get across? Well, I think that just like you said, like it's, um, Jesus is talking about what does it mean to be in the kingdom? What does that look like? And so he gives very, um, sometimes it's a little hard to understand parables and, um, you know, with biblical language and, you know, uh, but he's talking about uh, very obviously being salt and being light. And what does that look like? And so calling Christians, calling his followers to be salt and light into the earth. You basically have two depictions, main depictions that we're talking about here, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the one hand, salt, 
on the other hand, light, which don't really seem to go together, but Jesus has a point that he wants to make here. Um, so what lesson or truth is the salt and light metaphors, uh, no pun intended, but bringing to light? Like, what are they trying to reveal here? What's what's Jesus' point in, in putting salt and light? Yeah. Well, I think with, um, I mean, honestly, with a lot of teachings um, and with a lot of even issues that we have um, is it's talking about identity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this salt and this light. There's these callings that Jesus is putting on our lives as Christians in the kingdom, um, in the world, um, as we navigate through, as we figure out what does that look like? Who does that mean that we are? How do we act? How do we speak? Um, and it just, uh, it's this identity thing that Jesus is calling that you are light. You are salt. You know, it's not, it's not a you act I was almost saying acting salty, but like it's yeah. not a thing of like That's you different. act this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a thing where you act this way or like you you do these things and these actions mean you are salt or you are light. Like no, it's your identity. It's your being. It's a calling that Jesus has placed on your life, um, and it's it's basically Jesus setting this standard for us for people mm-hmm. in His kingdom in that way. Yeah, and again, like this is kind of an idea that. God's people would have understood because throughout the Old Testament you see God saying, I am your God and you are my people, Mm -hmm. right? God's always called us to a certain identity. And this is, again, that kingdom mindset of Jesus reframing what it means and what the kingdom that they're actually looking for is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But any time that we go through a a Bible story, I mean, we do this with our college students all the time, it's it's great to look at it on a surface level, but you need to understand the context. And and like to really put yourself in their shoes. And imagine you're even seeing Jesus on the mountain, right, on the hillside, and he's teaching this. Uh, how would the people there have understood the context of salt and light? Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, let's start with the salt one. Um, what What does Jesus mean by calling his people... Well, really a type of seasoning. Salt, right? Like, you know, he didn't call them pepper. They're salt. What what is Jesus, like, what, like, that's a cultural thing that they would have understood. Why does he say that? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, especially, it's important to to talk about that because, like you said, like, if we were to think about it today, it would be a, oh, it's just, like, salt is just seasoning. You just, you know, put it on tacos, put it in jambalaya, like, add it on top of things, whatever. Um, But in biblical times with uh with their people like it was almost a survival they used it as a preservative for their food so they could keep it um more than you know like a day especially like their meat um and so it was not necessarily just to oh this makes things taste better um although that was an additive um but it was a we need this to keep our food um and so you think about or at least i think about the actually the definition of preserve and it talks about um it says to maintain something in its original or existing state. And similar words used with that is to conserve, to protect, to maintain, to take care of, to look after, um, and to keep and to save. Um, and so I think that when you think not just about the actual word preserve, but you think about the words that are similar to it, um, it really creates this context or bit larger scheme of things um, for the context of like being salt in the world. You know, it's not just a, you know, 
being different as some people might say it is. It's, it's a, you know, we're meant to take care of the world. We're meant to take care of people to preserve and help to maintain that standard, basically. Yeah. Well, you also think about, like, we kind of take this for granted because we've got refrigerators in <laughs> our world. But sometimes their refrigerator would have been salt, mm-hmm. right? Um, they deeply, on a daily level, probably would have understood that truth. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, I really like that about how Jesus teaches. He doesn't ever frame his kingdom or any gospel message in a way that people can't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's so beautiful about how God, that God would actually put himself on earth walking with us and talk to us in a way that we would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, you know, a daily level, yes, that's true. But also, I think that there's a theological level here that they might have understood and um, this is just something that came to my mind when we were talking about this. But if you turn over to Genesis chapter 2, this is what God says about the way he intended creation to be. This is the creation story. This is Adam in the Garden of Eden. This is the way that God wanted mankind to live in the original beginning. Genesis chapter 2, he's made Adam, um, and it's going through. It's fixing to get to him making Eve. Right, and in verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And so I think that even the people there would have seen a connection between the Old Testament, or what we call the Old Testament, between their scriptures and what Jesus was saying, that um, the way God wants his creation to live is to take care of, of the things that he's made. Mm-hmm. That's a part of the reason that we have so many missions works at our church, right? We take care of broken, hurting people. We try to put things back together with God's help the way that it ought to be, the way that it's intended to be. Um, it's the idea of getting back to Eden, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Um, but in that same breath, you know, it's just a couple sentences. In that same breath, Jesus says, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, what is the original context? Like, what do you think the people there, how would they have understood you're a light to the world? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, well, you're talking like original, original context. It's not really, they're not, they're not they don't have lights. You know, they don't have yeah, like they didn't have true. lamps, they didn't have electricity. You know, they had fire, which was um, used as to light homes, but it was also used again as a survival thing of to warm homes, to cook food, um, to that, well, that was a huge survival thing when traveling. Um, and not only that, but I think Jesus here is also talking about it's not just about like being a light to the world. Isn't just a, again kind of going back to it's not just about the the actions that you do it's about who you are and again going back to that identity um and so and it's not meant to be a we're meant to be beacons technically but not meant to be beacons as look at me look at all of i'm doing look at these good works that i'm doing it's a i'm a light only because 
really I'm a mirror. Mm. I'm reflecting Jesus's light and God's light and being transformed by him. And by that and through that, I'm reflecting their light to the world. Mm. You know, it's not a what I can do or what I'm doing or how I've been, how, how I'm changed or whatever. It's God's changing me. He's teaching me. He's transforming me. And I'm just reflecting that love right back out. That's what that is. And so with that being the light, that's how you, you know, you think, I think about the, um, little children's rhyme um, that um, I think you mentioned earlier, but it's about, you know, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it in the bush, you'll know. And even in the scripture, it talks about, you know, they're not going to take a light and put a bowl over it. You know, they're going to let it shine. Um, And so I think about being like in a, you know, in a dark room and even the smallest little, you know, firefly. If you're ever out at night with the stars or you see the tiniest little bug, little firefly, and you're like, oh, like, look at it. Like you're immediately, your eyes are drawn to it. And Mm -hmm. that's because you're, it's different. It's a reflection of something different of divine, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and to imagine being in places where when it becomes night, the room's just dark. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you would not put a bowl over your lamp because you've got to <laughs> see to eat, right? Like, it was so important to them back then to mm-hmm. even have a little bit of light. Um, I'd also like to call us back to that theological point. This is almost verbatim um, an Old Testament Isaiah passage. And I don't know if Jesus is directly calling upon this, um, but I'd like to think that it's something that the people listening would have it would have perked their ears a little bit. And so in Isaiah chapter forty nine, it's again Isaiah. He's prophesying and he's talking about um, the Lord's design and will for the nation of Israel. And so this is what it says. Um, let's start in verse six. He says, it is too small of a thing for you to be my servant, just to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I've kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Some versions say I'll make you a light to the nations, right? And so it's this idea that, well, God's intent for Israel from the beginning was that they would live in this promised land, and Mm -hmm. their fruitfulness and goodness, the garden that they have there, would shine as a beacon to the rest of the world who would come and find God and know Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's just Jesus bringing back this kingdom mindset. Um, And it's good to talk about the, the context and how they would have understood it, but we really need to be concerned about how this applies to us today as the church. We have this New Testament. This is Jesus' teaching to us as well. And so my question for you is, is how do we understand this today? So I think with understanding this passage, um, you kind of need to start with the misunderstanding or the mis. Um, connection there that a lot of people I think have sometimes, um, especially people um, that have been raised in the church all their life. They hear it, all, you know, everywhere. Um, and even if you have, weren't raised in the church, um, you know, you, I think you hear it a lot. You know, be salt of the be salt of the earth, be a light to the world. You know, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? And I think where some people kind of can get it wrong a little bit, um, or it's almost used as this um, excuse to kind of be so separate, is that it's a I'm going to be so separate from the world, and I'm going to be so 
so distanced that I'm isolated from it. And so then I have no connections to people really. I have no grasp on what's going on, what, what, where are the hurts in the world, what's, what's changing in the world. Um, I'm not even, you know, talking about getting, I'm not saying you need to be super deep into, you know, politics or entertainment or society or anything like that, but you need some sort of footholding. Um, and so where I think this is talking about for us in God's kingdom today is it's not a isolated, you know, calling out of the world. It is a calling into the world to be able to speak into it, to kind of going back to what we talked about before of, you know, I'm reflecting God so that I can just shine that light into the world. And that's what's making me, me different. That's what's making me separate. It's not I'm taking a step back from his creation. It's a I'm stepping towards with reflecting his life in that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, you even think about city on a hill, um, that language, like, it can easily be strewn as, well, we need to build our church separate and apart mm-hmm. from the world, right? So that we don't get muddled down and dirtied up by the sin of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and while maybe a part of that is true, we are called out to be holy people, mm-hmm. uh, we're also we we have to be in the sin of the world if we're going to be salt that actually brings creation towards God's intended purpose. Right. We have to be the salty people in a good sense, yeah. right? <laughs> Don't be salty in a bad sense. Yeah. Um, we have to be that in order to actually live out Jesus' teaching here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how are you going to be salt in a bunch of salt? Like, how are you going to be one bulb in a, in a light full of bulbs? Like, mm. you need to go into that darkness. You need to meet people where they are. You need to meet those groups of people in those communities um, in your own city and um, in your own um, community or families. You've got to reach out that hand. You've got to meet them there. Well, how do you meet them there? You go into that darkness. You step into that just a little bit to be able to shine that light. Hmm. Yeah, and we do that at Campus Movement in our ministry um, all the time. In fact, you know, we're on a secular campus. University of Louisiana Monroe is not a Christian university. <laughs> uh, while they're they're open to Christians being there, mm-hmm. um, we have to be a light every day because students go to class with people who know nothing about God. They're sitting right next to people who have no concept of God. Um, we even have a big international ministry. Um, such a blessing, but most of those people are are Hindu students, right? And what does it mean? to be a salt in their life. Mm-hmm. Pick them up and take them to Walmart when they don't have a car to get groceries. <laughs> yeah. um, bringing creation back to the way it ought to be. The people that we encounter are loved and cared for. Yeah. And I think, not to cut you off, but no, I ahead. think, um, honestly, too, um, in saying that, especially with like the international students and comparing it that way, sometimes being the salts of the world, sometimes being a light to the world and reflecting Jesus' love and care and taking care of the world in that way, sometimes it's unconventional. You know, I think it's really easy as Christians to be like, oh, like being the salt or being these beacons of light or being ministers, you know, or being preachers or being, you know, missionaries. And that's good work. If you're called to do that, God's called putting that in your life, do it. That's amazing. But sometimes that's just being a loving friend. Sometimes that's being a ride to Walmart, you know, whenever uh, it's pouring down rain and they don't have a car, you know, or sometimes it's yeah. listening to somebody. You know, sometimes it's buying someone a water, you know. Yeah. It, it looks different for different people in their context, but the the intent and the care and the heart behind it is the same with that. 
Yeah, and make no mistake that the world is going to try to be a version of that. There's mm. good philanthropies in the world. Yeah. And there's good people who want to actually take care of the earth. Mm-hmm. But the difference between us and the church and and the rest of the world, even the good-hearted people, is that our message flies on the wings of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? So we don't do anything. We we don't have a light that does not have a a just a hint even of the name of Jesus in it, mm-hmm. right? Our salt that that we are, it doesn't taste anything except Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and that's so important for us to understand because in our ministry we can go out to campus and be just another philanthropy. Um, y'all who are listening in your own ministries in your own circles, you can go and be good people in the world, but are you spreading Jesus's name? Are you taking God's teachings to the ends of the earth? To where you're at, are you shining God's love, right? It's not your love. Mm-hmm. It's God's love through you. Right. And so to kind of land the plane here, I think it's appropriate just to have a challenge uh, to our audience. And that would just simply be this. What areas in your life can you be salt? What areas in your life can you be a light? Do you have neighbors or friends or a work group Um do you have areas in your life where your salt has lost its saltiness? Do you need to shore up some relationships so that you can be in their lives you know, more effectively and more strategically? What Jesus is really talking about here is strategy. Where are you going to shine your light? It's not just randomly. We don't just wake up on a random Monday mm-hmm. and our light shines in all these dark places. I mean, I hope when you go to the store and you walk by the cashier or whatever, like that's the case. But... Also, what strategically are you doing to put the salt and the light in places that need it, in darkness, and places that need a little bit of seasoning? Well, I think that that's, that's it kind of goes back to the very beginning when we were talking about and what's so crucial to talk about this part of scripture as in, a, in an identity issue. Um, because it, it would be real easy if it would just say, you know, like you're a light, you're salt, because I serve every morning on Sunday and because I'm there every Wednesday night and because I go to church every single week or I do these missions or whatever, you know, I do all these actions. So that means that I'm light and I'm salt. It's like, it would be very easy to get exhausted to get overwhelmed to do these things but when it's an identity when it's who you are in Christ and reflecting that when it is a part of your innermost being then that comes out in everything yeah. that comes not only out in the in the service opportunities that you do but then how you were talking about you know that that comes out in how I speak to people it's how I take care of people it's how I love people it's how I act around people that I'm when I'm not in church you know it's it becomes it seeps into every single part of my life and that's God's love. It's not my love. It's not my care. It is what God has done in my life, and that's his love being used through us um, because we can get it misconstrued, and we can get overwhelmed, and we can get exhausted and get things twisted or whatever, you know, but as long as we focus on God's love and that's what we're doing is sh- shining his light into the world, then that's never going to fail. Yeah. This is part of what it means to follow Jesus, to be salt and light. So... As we close, um, that's our challenge to you guys. I think we're going to leave the rest of Jesus' teaching. I'm sure there's going to be more of the Sermon on the Mount parables to come. Tune back in next week for another parable.